Hey, this is Gary. This is Mike. And Daniel. We're not professionals. We're just three addicts sharing our experiences, strength, and hope regarding recovery. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to other addicts and to practice these principles in our lives. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the 12th Step Podcast. My name is Gary. This is Mike. And this is Daniel. Well, guys, I hope your holidays were were just amazing. They were. Good to be back together after the holidays, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. You guys ready to get back to work? Yes. Excellent. Well, we've had a couple emails come in over the holidays that we'd like to to talk about today. And this one comes from Jacob. I'm going to go ahead and jump right into it. There's a lot to unpack here. So... Let's see what we can do. And yeah. before I jump into this, I do want to say we really, really appreciate all of you guys who are listening and who are willing to reach out and, and uh, you know, contact us via email and other avenues. We love hearing from you and just encourage you to, to continue to do so. I'll tell you one of the things I'm interested in hearing from somebody is how their holidays went. Holidays are traditionally a bad time for addicts, and so I was just curious. I'd be very interested to hear how the holidays were for other others and it'd be kind of a fun one to follow up on so any of our listeners out there uh, and feel the feel inclined to to call in or to reach out um that would be a great topic i would love to hear how the holidays yeah. went I, I would also love to hear from anybody whose email or message that we've yeah. read or addressed over the phone I'd, I'd love to hear if that's helped or how you're progressing and what's going on I'd love to hear something. That's what I was going to suggest yeah. is anyone that we've actually responded to on email to reach back out. Let us know how you're doing. Let us know if our advice helped, if it didn't, or whatever. I will I will tell you, we have responded to everything that's been sent to us. Yes. Might take us a little time, but we do get there. Yes. So yes, if, you, if you reach out to us, we'll do our best to... Normally, I mean, again, we record... Once, maybe twice a month, but more importantly, I mean, we took a small break for the holiday. That's why you guys haven't seen anything for a while, but know that we're definitely still committed to doing this podcast and getting episodes out. We just took a little break because we needed it. You know, like any good addict, you do need to do (laughs) self-care. We needed to take some self-care and take a break. We did. And it was a good holiday. It was. All right. Here we go. This comes from a listener who identifies himself as Jacob. And he says, Hello, I am an addict in my 40s, and I have spent years, okay, decades looking at porn. I know this has affected how I look at women, or how I look at and view women. In my second, I am in my second marriage, and I am struggling. I mean, really struggling. When I first met my current wife, she was fit and thin and super attractive. But here... We are five years later, and she's no longer fit and thin. She is packed on the pounds, and it seems like every time I turn around, she's purchased enough food to feed our family for... Wait a minute, let me read that again. Every time I turn around, she's purchased enough food to feed our family for the evening, but she has, but she ate it all. I... I love her to death, and I'm not trying to be shallow Hal here, but I find myself not attracted to her, and I find my eyes and thoughts wandering. Sadly, I find myself in a place where we fight more than we talk. Anything I say or do, she sees as being manipulative, and when 
we spend time with each other, it's now awkward. I know I've hurt her with my addiction and my addictive behavior. I'm seeing a therapist now about my addiction and working on being a better me. But even that makes me feel like I'm always the bad guy. Why isn't anyone addressing her issues? But I'm sure that's just me trying to point the blame elsewhere. Honestly, guys, I hate how I am. My wife is an amazing woman. She is smart, funny, and treats me well. But this stupid addiction has me real has really messed me up. I just can't see past the weight and her overeating. I just don't know what to do. I don't want another divorce. I really do love her. Any advice would be helpful. Well, I, I told you there was a lot to unpack. There, there is, and I don't even know where to start. Well. <laughs> One of the first things that, that jumps out to me is... Uh, um, and I'm I, I, I'm going to struggle with how to say this, so I apologize, Jacob. I, I I'm going to struggle with how to sort of work through this. But um, my experience from my own addictive behavior is is that when I when I isolated and focused on one particular issue that uh, I was struggling with about my wife, about my spouse, my significant other, that I uh, um, I found out that that was really more a reflection of me, and and something that I was dealing with internally rather than a it was more about me than it was about her um it might be worthwhile to explore um your your sense of of food and eating and your concern around that all of that sort of stuff the reason i bring that up is my own experience i there was things that i tended to focus on that in a lot of cases when i had a chance to visit my therapist about in reality it was some insecurities around that particular topic that I had experienced as, as a young child. And this might be a great opportunity for you to, to, to spend some time in that particular area because the whole email has an awful lot to do with, it's sort of the, it's the easy thing we can point to and how our spouse is the weak thing that she's focusing on or that she's doing. It's just, it's just, it's, it's grating on our one good nerve, if you will. And it's really sort of it, it speaks loudly in this email, if that makes sense. Does that does that did I say that right? Did I get that? Am I close? What do you think? Keep going. Keep going. Keep keep explaining <laughs> what you mean. Well, I'm try, my point is is that um, for instance, for instance, it may be the fact that he himself grew up in a household where food mm. food was a very you know the meal experience was a very different experience than what he's experiencing with his wife, uh -huh. and so. Mm -hmm. When he sees her eating and he sees her buying the food and eating it all up, it's not about the fact that she's it's not about the fact that she's unattractive or anything like that. It's it's not what he's accustomed to when he grew up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So consequently, it's the thing that he may be he may be pointing out. So let's say for instance that he had a bad day at work and then this happened in my circumstance all the time that I could um I'll, I'll use my own example. The thing that I went to my wife to a lot, I complained about a lot, was is that she didn't clean the house. Um, she didn't, she, you know, she she didn't keep the house like my mom kept the house, where I was expected to participate. And so when I came home and I had a bad day at work, the thing I was going to go to was, what the hell have you been doing all day long, right? I mean, uh -huh. look at this house; it's not clean. 
and 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 so much of that had an awful lot to do with my own secure insecurities about my own growing up experience and how my mother kept the house if that makes sense yeah and so when we're able to peel apart all the package that came with my own personal experience and undo and, and unpack all that with a counselor to understand my feelings about how a house should be kept or not kept or whatever um then it wasn't so much an attack on my wife, if that makes sense. Yeah, right. does that make sense? It does. It's sort of a, it's, it's sort of a, it's almost an, a mirror image of of what it is that the insecurities that I'm feeling about in my own particular situation, and yeah. a lot of it just stems from how I grew up. Well, I mean, for for me, reading over this, my one thought is, okay, you know, because this maybe she is dealing with an addiction, or maybe it's just how she handles her emotions. Yeah, you know, she eats. True. There, there's a lot of true. people that do that. My question is, why are we jumping to the worst instead of wondering, okay, she's eating. What has happened in her world? You know, instead of being self-centered, be selfless, you know, asking the why. Why sure. is she doing that? Um, and more than likely, he might find that I just had a really bad day. I had three, you know, maybe she works. I had three clients that just yelled at me nonstop today. And then... I went and picked up the kids, and they've just been fighting nonstop since I've gotten home. And something just clicked. I, I, I don't know. Um, but maybe the point, at least what I could suggest maybe, is instead of looking at how that's affecting him, what's affecting her. Um, but at the same time, I like what you're saying because maybe there is something with him. You know, Maybe there is something in his past that her doing this is also rubbing against it's triggering you know maybe his family has always he comes from a family that overeats right you know and he's used part of his addictive cycle to be super fit right you know and now he's seeing that and he's seeing that negativity and instead of seeing you know whatever components of himself are actually causing problems there I have I have two different I have two different lines of thought that I would like to That's share great. and explore. One of them kind of builds on the one that you're talking about, Daniel. Okay, and the other one a little bit uh, about what Mike's talking on. Um, the first thing I like that he acknowledges that he's an addict, mm-hmm. and clearly this has been with him for a long time, as he describes it, decades. He also says that he knows that it's affected how he looks at and views women says that he's in his second marriage and struggling. It'd be interesting to know what made the first marriage break down. That would be, yeah. If we're right. seeing a, that would be. Is there a seeing, pattern? Is there something? a pattern? So that's something that I would counsel Jacob. Now, Jacob, I want you to know that um, I'm going to speak very simply and very plainly, but it's very, very important that you recognize that I'm I'm not attacking you. Yes. <laughs> okay? So please keep that in mind because, you know, People who live in glass houses don't throw stones. I I just want right. to, I just want to be clear. So please understand that that, that that's not what I'm that's not what I'm doing. He's struggling, and you know talks about how his wife is is super fit. Okay, I want to talk for a minute about it. You know, it's it's affected how you look at and view women. I would say not only that, but even how you what you think sex is. You know. And I'm I'm going to tell you I think that you're going to have to sit down and really really think what what it is and what role it's supposed to play in your life and what role it does. You've used pornography as a uh, coping mechanism for 
probably your that entire is. adult life or long. You know what I mean? Probably. Probably well into adolescence. Yeah. And so it's your coping mechanism. And it's altered the way that not only that you look at women or created an ideal of what they're supposed to be, but even what sex is supposed to be for because you've been using it as as a coping mechanism. And that's not what it's intended to be. Okay. So keeping that in mind, now we're talking about your your wife, who by your own words is a lovely person. Okay. Uh, my therapist once told me that, that um, when you live with an addict, people who live with addicts develop their own crazy to deal with the crazy of the addict. Yes. Okay. So uh, one very real possibility is, is that her drug of choice, you know, I'm not saying that she doesn't have issues or that they don't need to be addressed. She probably does. And she, you know, and she probably needs to address them. But at the same time, you're asking her to be patient and understanding while you work out what you're dealing with. And maybe her drug of choice is food. Maybe that is something like Daniel was saying, maybe that is how she's coping with it. Yeah. You know, and maybe that's how she has learned to approach it as, you know, using it, not necessarily what it's intended for. It's, you know, mm-hmm. food is not intended to be a coping mechanism. No. You know, right. that's why it is actually a lot of overeating or eating disorders are, you know, tap into a lot of that same process addiction kind of uh, mentality, mm-hmm. a lot of the same kind of thinking errors. So be patient with her while she's being patient with you because you guys, it sounds like you're, you're dealing with a lot of the same issues. Um, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, you know, there's a, there's a lot of room here for, for some improvement. And, and do you know what? Quite honestly, before you focus too much on what she's bringing to the table, be really clear about what you're bringing to the table. You know, if you're struggling with your addiction and you have been for decades, and I don't know where you're at as far as clean time or what you're dealing with, uh, your your email makes it sound like you're still in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. You know, she could be having a lot of the same thoughts about you. You know, why can't you just stop this? Why can't yeah. you just, you know, you know, so... So be be mindful about what it is you're bringing to the table. You you need to focus on your problems, and maybe that will take away some of the things that are causing hers. Yeah. And I'm not saying that it's entirely your fault, but if you can make it safe for her to heal, then she mm-hmm. will. Yeah, I mean, her her actions are definitely her own. Yeah. But at the same time. You know, what are you doing on a daily basis that's actually adding fuel to the fire that's right. causing her to react in this way? Mm-hmm. The other thing is, is, and this is something, this has more to do with, with me and my experience, but one of the, one of the problems that I, I realized is that my acting out gave my wife the justification to believe every negative thing she'd ever told herself. Mm-hmm. You, you know what I yeah. mean? And she, you have to, as an addict, I mean, I would just prompt to Jacob, like, just sit down. How many times and how many negative thoughts about yourself, the negative things you've ever said to yourself on a daily basis, how many times has that bombarded you? Well, he, he says yeah. in his thing, honestly, guys, I hate how I am. Yeah. It must, it's a daily thing I would get. Yeah, so he's getting hit with that daily. Now imagine, Jacob. She's dealing with that same type of negative talk going in her head. 
But now on top of that, all of your addictive behaviors is now reinforcing and probably multiplying that two or three times. And that's bombarding her on a daily basis besides everything else she's dealing with. You know, it, 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 it does compound and it really adds on. Yeah. So I'm, I think there's a couple I, other, couple other components here that I'm just going to throw out here. Uh, one of them he, he points out is he's no longer attracted to her because she's not thin. She's not, uh, she's not thin like she used to be. And I, um, I, I've challenged that to some extent. Um, I don't believe that attraction has anything to do with physical traits. I mean, I think that's probably the very lowest level. But what what attracts a, a human to another human has everything in the world to do with connection. Mm-hmm. And Agreed. and uh, I am certain that um, I'm certain that if you were to really go back to his five years ago when they were first dating, that they would find the things that brought them together in sort of a connective way that drew them to a point where they wanted to get married. I mean, that's the way it is in my own marriage, sure. my own marital yeah. circumstance. And so if I can get back to those things, what was it that I found attractive in her besides the, she was this, she was that, she was the gym rat, fit, 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 thin, whatever. Mm-hmm. That's the, that's the, that's the easy stuff to go after. Yeah. Right. Um, the challenging piece is to go back to the things that, uh, that made us connect. And I, I promise you, Jacob, that if you'll find the things that make you connect, um, and and the difficult part about the pornography piece of it is, is that that's that's a wedge in between your connectiveness. Um, yeah. yeah. Pornography's done, pornography's done in isolation. It's not a connecting activity, yeah. and so consequently, the the thing that you would be most successful in making your marriage work is being impaired by looking at pornography because. Not because it's comparing who you see on the screen, although that's a big piece of it. Who you see on the screen versus who you know, who's living with you and who's sleeping with you. Uh, you know, you're making those comparisons, and that does happen. But more importantly, is it's it's eliminating the need for you to actually connect with a real life human being, who the person you profess all this love to. So that's the danger of pornography. That's oh, what's yeah. killing you more than anything. And by giving up the pornography allows you then to reconnect with her in a meaningful way. That will make, that's the piece that's going to make your marriage has nothing to do whether she's five or 10 pounds overweight or under short or under tall or whatever it is, you know, it's none of those things. The reality of it is, is one way or another, if you're with a person long enough, Mm-hmm. Your your body's going to change. At everyone's very least, does. you're going to get old. Yeah, everyone's every body changes. Yeah, I mean, I know mine has. I mean, I do know that. Uh, well, I'm still I'm still an Adonis though. Well, yeah, I, I mean, know. let alone <laughs> you know they've been together quite a while. Have they had Have they had any children? That automatically changes a woman's body. Oh yeah, that's right. Um, yeah. You know, if she is struggling with her weight, most women struggle with their weight a lot more than men do. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, so that's another component here. But beyond that, you know, uh, there's another thing that he mentioned here where she says, you know, he, he brings stuff up and she says he's being manipulative. That, that loss of connection there is really important. It, you know, if you don't have that connection, it could be that some of the ways you're bringing up stuff, maybe the way you're talking, it's coming across that way to her. Pay attention to that. And she, do you know what? I'm going to submit this. And again, this is... This might sound mean. Maybe it is. And it could be. You've got to be really honest with yourself and say, am I being yeah. manipulative in any degree? Because yeah. yeah. a, a, a lot of times we don't realize we are. Yeah. Um, and and I'm gonna, it could be. 
I'm going to add a dimension to that, what that means to be manipulative. Do it. Um, I, uh, I used to take my, I went to a counselor very early on uh, that we were struggling when we were struggling with our marriage early on who indicated that, you know, you really need to, you need to date every Friday. You need to go on a date every week and then you should be still dating while you're, while you're married and all that. So I set aside every Friday night to go out on a date. Um, but very quickly, I, uh, if it didn't end in sex, I felt like I'd been cheated. Yeah. And so the point being is, is that, Am I dating because I want to spend time with my wife, or if I, do I have a hidden agenda that says, hey, I'm doing this. We're going out on a Friday night. I'm setting everything up such that when we get back, we end up in bed, right? We end up in – we're making love. That's, the, that's what it's all about. That's what – for me, so I had this agenda. That's manipulation. Yeah. That's exactly what we're talking about when we talk about are we, are we setting everything up such that we control the outcome. The fact of the matter is, is that relationships don't have those kind of controls in them. It's, they're not intended to be. She just simply wants to spend time with you and you spend time with her. And when that starts to happen, when that connection happens, it's no longer about manipulating and controlling outcomes. It's about getting to know each other and spending quality time together. And that's that kind of connection is well beyond the superficial stuff of she's not skinny enough for me. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah, no, I, I, I think you're, I think you're exactly right. I, you are, um, you're right on that. And again, I, I, I like what both of you have said so far. You know, it's not about the sex. It's not about the appearance. It's about connecting with someone you love. I mean, when we first start dating, there's no sex involved in most relationships. There's not that. You're getting to know that person. You're interacting, doing activities, going out on dates, and you fall in love with that person without this component there. I mean, as it is, that com- you know, our views on sex is already broken. Let's admit it. We have this addiction. It's broken and twisted already. Well, after decades yeah. of looking at it portrayed a certain way, yeah. it couldn't be anything other. But when you're building that relationship, up to that point you ask her to marry you, you know, in most cases, that is a component that isn't there. You fell in love with her for a reason. And, you know... It's, it's very interesting, you know, when I've talked to even my sponsees and stuff like this, where they're just so, it's like, well, we haven't had sex in so long, or she's gaining weight, or some of these similar things we're hearing here. It's like, what does that matter? You know, what have you done to make things safe for her? What have you done to, you know, invest in your relationship? You know, are you just coming home and always complaining? Are you taking her out on dates without that ex- expectation, like Mike said? You know, because I was there, I, you know, we got on a date, I expected that to happen too. But with that expectation gone, we act differently. We connect differently with with people. Um, It's really interesting, the mindset we get in because of our addiction. And I wonder, you know, if Jacob could take a step back and see what am I adding here? Are there expectations that are happening? Like Mike said. Mm-hmm. You know, are, am I adding more fuel to the fire? Am I being manipulative in some of my words? You know, am I, and not only that, words, even looks, I mean, body language says a lot. Right. We don't have to say something like, oh my gosh, you're eating again, you're getting fat. We could just have a look and they know. Yeah. They know everything on our, in our, that's going through our mind. Um, women are very intuitive that way. And so are you doing that? 
there's a lot of key things that we could be doing that's actually adding that fuel to her fire. But like you also said, she has also developed her own crazy to match yours. And how big is your crazy? Because if you're if you've got like a, a a monolith, hers is probably just as big. Yeah. And you're gonna you're gonna need to um, you know, start being aware of what you're bringing to the table and address those. Yeah. And and you've got to demonstrate that you're you're committed and that it's safe. You know, I like I really wish I, I knew kind of where you were on your. Yeah. There is one other thing stuff, in yeah. what he was saying is he said he mentioned I'm always being the even in that I'm being the bad guy. I think he mentioned it with therapy. Um, I'm going to talk up on this because I remember feeling like that. Um, our combined therapist, man, he did not. Re- he was relentless with me. He did not let up on the gas. Uh, both of you can <laughs> attest to that. Um, but I can joke about it now because mm-hmm. you need to realize he's probably him, he or she, whoever your therapist is, can, is probably seeing something you're not. Right. And they're putting the pressure on you so that you will open up. So you will let go of the, whatever you're holding on to because they're seeing something. Um, I mean, there's a number of times I've talked to both of you. And I'm just like, I'm done with him. I, I can't stand him. And you're like, that was the same advice you gave me. Yeah. There's probably something he sees that you don't. Yeah. Just well, trust him. Well, also understand that when you go to a therapist, you're hiring them to, to point things out. Yeah. That's part of their job. Yes. To point out, especially things that you can't see. Yes. Okay. Now, so, th- so that means when you go to therapy, okay, and you're saying, okay, I'm going to tell you what's going on in my life, and what I'm doing is I'm paying you to listen to me and then point out what I'm doing wrong to help me get a clearer picture— and then they do that, you know, a lot of times you're going to feel defensive. In fact, in fact, uh, I, I learned, I learned that when I got that defensive feeling that I needed to absolutely listen to what they were saying and do what I was, what they were going to ask me to do because they were right. They were seeing something that I could not. And it's not. I think a, Jacob absolutely. Jacob absolutely brings that point up with this particular sentence. He says, why isn't anyone addressing her issues? So he's feeling exactly what you're conveying right now, Gary. He's, in that sentence, he's saying, somebody's pointing out to me that I have a problem, and I'm uncomfortable with having that problem. I'm, I'm uncomfortable with that. Why isn't anybody Why isn't anybody else, why isn't anybody saying anything to her specifically? So he's voicing literally what you're saying. Well, you know what? I'll, I'll, I, I, last time I heard something like that was actually when I, when I would deal with my kids. Well, how come well, I thought you were say it was either Gary or it was either me or Daniel? Oh, well, you know, it could be that too. I've definitely heard it from both of you guys too. But, you know, I was trying to resolve an issue between two of my kids and, and, and something that, that they're very fond of saying is, well, why aren't you, why don't you talk to, why aren't you telling my, you know, my sibling this. And I said, and I would look at them and says, because they're not here. I'm, I'm addressing, <laughs> uh, we're here trying to solve your problems. You know, they're, they're not here. That's a whole, di- if they were here and I was having a conversation with them, then I would, I've, you know, then we'll talk to, you know, that, then that's where that conversation belongs. Oh. So, uh, the other thing, uh, about connection and things like that, that i I had a thought that I wanted to share. Assume that you're, if, if your relationship is healthy, you're in a healthy relationship, 
do you know that it takes at least 90 minutes a week of communication that that doesn't have anything to do with running the daily household or things like that to just maintain it yeah well and, you know so and, um, imagine what it's going to take to to uh improve it improve, improve it, it or build it or repair it you know mm-hmm. you're you're talking the same kind do you remember how obsessive you were when you would when you were first start dating somebody and you're thinking about them all the time and you're communicating with them you know what i mean yeah no i, I do that's a, yeah i mean and i've read something very similar to that the very interesting fact is once we get married we kind of forget that that we have to continue that communication yeah and because a lot of us think, well, well, we talked about the kids, we talked about the bills, we talked about what we were making for dinner, and we assume that goes in that 90-minute bucket. It doesn't. No. No, that's just, that's maintaining the car, you know? We, that's, or, you know, we still have to put the gas in there, we still have to rotate the tires, we still have to change the oil, we still have to wash the windows, all these things. That's, that's the communication that we're constantly having to give back and tune up our, our relationship. And not only that, besides that, the the talking, we also have to do the listening part, and definitely not, uh, you know, listening to to just give an answer. We have to be paying attention. We have to validate. Um, so communication is more than just talking nonstop. We also have to listen. And yeah. I think we, especially as addicts, we miss out on that part. Uh, quite yeah, a bit. I think you're right. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a pitch in here for uh, uh, sort of a step one. Uh, thing for for Jacob, I, I uh, he makes a comment here that I that resonates. Honestly, guys, I hate how I am. My wife's an amazing woman. She's smart, funny. She treats me well, but the stupid addiction has me really less messed up. And those uh, those those words that he just conveyed speak very heavily to uh, the the step one kind of stuff, right? The, mm-hmm. the powerless the powerlessness of this addictive behavior and the uh, and the sort of the inability to, to really get our arms around it. I think that's really what he's saying. I, I don't like who I am. I'm not happy with where things are at. Now, I think the majority of his email has an all lot to do with, well, a lot of it rests on her. It's her fault. But I would bring that back home to him, right? And when we're not happy with who we are, it's a clear indication that we're, we're dealing with some things that are bigger than we are. And to just give it some time. Be patient with it. Work through the steps. Work through with a counselor. Do everything in your power to be a better you. And I think as time goes on, what will happen, at least in my own experience, as time went on, uh, a lot of the, the petty little things that I think that I was focusing on my spouse that, that drove me crazy really sort of resolved themselves. They just went away. And I guess that that's probably your experience as well, Gary, and yours is, yours as well. Oh, absolutely. That is just is you focus on yourself and focus on making yourself better. Uh, the defenses come down, and um, that that self hate, self loathing, all that stuff kind of goes away. But but tackle the issues associated with step one, and that is is that it's the powerlessness of where we're at. It's the realization that we're dealing with something that we can't fix ourselves, and all those things will come. All those things will come back around. As you do that, your relationship. Will have will be given every opportunity to become better. Relationships always That's get right. better, or they, or they end. Correct. Right. So That's I, right. I have, I have, a, I have another thought that I want to share. Okay. As you approach your wife, give her the same patience, forgiveness, and mercy as she learns 
to deal with her issues and overcome her challenges that you hope to receive from her as you do go through yours. Does that make sense? It does. Absolutely. You know, that's right. I think the word there is grace. Yes. You want to grant as much grace to her as she's provided to you. I get the impression she may have been unaware of his pornography addiction. Um, when she married him. And, and so here they are think, in a situation. I, I think we're assuming a lot. He doesn't expressly say anywhere in the thing that she is aware of it. Right. So right. I, you know, I don't know, but you know, in your last, your last paragraph here, it says, honestly, I hate how I am. Okay. My wife is an amazing woman. She's smart. She's funny. She treats me well, but this stupid addiction has really messed me up. Then okay, you're already acknowledging that, that your addiction is the problem, not her. As far as you're concerned, okay, I just can't see past the weight and her overeating. Well, give her, you know, there's there's that room for grace. I don't just, I just don't know what to do. I don't want another divorce. I really do love her. And and I don't know, man. I want to look at you and say, hey, don't screw this up. You really do have, you know... She sounds like she's an amazing person, and there's definitely the relationship is definitely worth working on. Then, yeah, you know, yeah, I, I would say that that he's definitely worth he's worth his effort to save himself. Oh, absolutely, you're definitely and Jacob. You're definitely worth your own best effort. Absolutely, absolutely worth your very own best efforts, and in so doing, your relationship will be better. That's. That's just simply the that's just simply the process that the promise of of working on your own addiction and improving you is that your relationship will get better. The other thing that comes to mind that I'll share is people don't do anything without a perceived benefit. Okay? Right. There's a reason why she's doing what she's doing. There's a reason why you're doing what you're doing. Okay. You've got to deal with the underlying issues. So the, the, the behavior has room to change. You under, got to understand your whys. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I like that you read the end of that. I would just say, any time that you're struggling, go back, read what you wrote there. Yeah. You know, or if not, write yourself a letter. Yeah, definitely do that. You know, a letter of every reason that she is this amazing person you believe she is. And put that in your wallet or, or a pocket or something so that when you start thinking these negative things, open it up, reread the reasons why she is the person that you think she is. Clearly, you love her. You think she's amazing and wonderful. She thinks you're worth it, too. Otherwise, she would have left. She sees something in you that you probably don't see in yourself right now. And hold on to that. Yeah, you know, that's, that's that glimmer of hope. That's worth nurturing. Yeah. Absolutely. Amen and amen. Yeah, that's definitely worth nurturing. So. Well, I think we're just about out of time. Do you guys have any closing thoughts? or I, I just gave mine, so you guys can do okay. yours. Okay. <laughs> Mike, you got anything you want to say? I, I do. I, uh, um, I, I certainly understand where Jacob's coming from. I get that. I totally, for, from a person who experiences this addiction by an expression of outward frustration and anger, anger at everybody else around them. I'm not a real self-loather kind of a person. I experience my addictive behavior by, by lashing out at everyone around me. That's how my world usually is. 
And my only advice to, to Jacob is is that you 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 work on you and you can get past this. Um, you really are worth your very best effort and you are worth saving and that there is you, know, you stay on this path and I promise you your life will be different and your life will be improved and your relationship will improve. And so I, I just empathize completely with Jacob and the people around him because the addictive behavior is really jacking him up. And I, and I, I just believe that, uh, that there are brighter days ahead for him if right. he sticks with the program and does, does the, does the heavy lifting, does the work. I agree. Yeah. All right. So I guess my closing thought is, is that, um, Go back and reread your email very, very carefully. You have a lot of pieces to the puzzle already. You know, um, work on yourself. Get yourself in a place. Deal with your issues. Be really mindful about what you're bringing to the table. And, and Mike and Daniel are right. You're, you're, the way you see things and the way you think will change. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, you're, and yeah. Uh, I don't know. I kind of want to just look you right in the eye and say, all right, man, you're worth your best effort. Do it. Don't screw this up. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> really? That's right. Because, because, yeah, it's worth working on. And a lot of what you say hits to home. I mean, I've been there. Yeah. So. I think we all have. Yeah. Best of luck. You're yeah. worth your own best effort. Don't forget it. Do the next right thing. And, and remember, remember that you are what you have control over. So start there. Yeah. yeah. That's a great point. I think so oftentimes that this, you know, we think our addictive behavior or uh, our recovery is all about everyone else needs to do, let's make some minor tweaks in their world so that my world can be better. It's all about us. It's all about us individually. This is an individual, individual path. Yeah. I couldn't, effort. I couldn't fix my marriage by working on my wife. Correct. I had to fix right. me first, and then the <laughs> rest. Exactly right. No, really. And then the rest started to fall into place. Well, yeah. I mean, we can't fix anyone else. Yeah. We can't do any, change anyone else. We can change ourselves, yeah. with the hope that as we change, they will change, and then the relationship will come with that. Yep, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. All great points. Great stuff. Well, Jacob, best of luck. Let us know how things are going, and if there's anything else we can help you with. Yes. And. uh yeah, this is Gary saying, do the next right thing. And this is Mike saying, and this is specifically for you, Jacob. Do the work necessary to find the peace that recovery can bring. And this is Daniel saying, find the humility in your recovery. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you like this episode, please give us a five-star rating on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you find us. As a fellowship of recovering addicts, Sex Addicts Anonymous offers a message of hope to anyone who suffers from sex addiction. Check out saa-recovery.org.